Today on Seculo, Trump immunity. New developments in appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Keeping you informed and engaged. Now more than ever. This is Seculo. We want to hear from you. Share and post your comments or call 1-800-684-3110. And now your host, Jordan Seculo. Hey, welcome to Seculo. So we're talking about the U.S. Supreme Court yet once again and President Trump. And this time, I think a bit more uh, complicated of a case if the court decides to make it uh, a more complicated case. This goes to presidential immunity. And at what point does that immunity fall and you can bring criminal charges against the president for acts that they may have taken during office, which means, Dad, you would then have to start defining what is an official act by the president, what is a, a pseudo-official act, and then what is a non-official act. So, like, all these different ranges. Yeah. And that's pretty – courts don't love doing that. No, and they even have a third category of on the periphery. Periphery, yeah. Perif- and that's actually a legal standard, the periphery of – presidential responsibility. So what has happened is the president's lawyers moved yesterday for an application for a stay of the D.C. Circuit's mandate pending the filing of a petition for certiorari. Now, what that means is this. The D.C. Circuit said that there was no presidential immunity, and they gave the president until yesterday to file an action with the Supreme Court. If he did not, they were going to return the case to the district court, who would then proceed to trial probably in April or May. The, he did file. The president's lawyers did file. They are, are make it's an aggressive move in the sense that I I wanted to I would have focused narrowly on the mistake of law that was made was allowing immunity to expire when the president leaves office, which set every president living president up for litigation for the rest of their life. Instead, they took a more broad approach, saying absolute immunity. I I was saying. Find, say, get a ruling that says, hey, the, the Court of Appeals was wrong when it said the immunity expires on the, when the president leaves office. The rule is it, it continues. Then you have to make a fact finding as to whether the actions taken by the president, President Trump, right. were within his official activities or at least on the periphery of those activities or those that aren't divide those up. That's not what they did. They went for a, a very absolute immunity approach, which I think is a little bit of a tougher standard. And the court issued a minute order uh, just moments ago, uh, and that was that a response to the application, the case now is 23A745, uh, requested by the Chief Justice is due February 20th by 4 o'clock. So on the 20th of February, Jack Smith's office has to respond to the application for a stay. Right now, the proceedings are stopped. Nothing is moving forward while this pens. Uh, my guess is Jack Smith probably responds earlier, but Jack Smith's office has been trying to leapfrog over the normal appellate process because normally when you lost the three-judge panel, you keep the case, stay stays in place and you go what's called en banc. You request the entire court to hear it. You usually <coughs> excuse me, have 14 days or so to get that in. That's not what they did here. They are really trying, and, and remember, the Department of Justice already once tried to go to the Supreme Court and say, hey, skip the Court of Appeals, take it up directly yourself. The Supreme Court said no. So we'll get into the next segment about where I think it's falling. But the case is now squarely vested at the Supreme Court. And this is different, of course, Jordan, than the case involving whether President Trump will appear on the ballot, which affects your right to vote for the candidate of your choice, whether it's Trump or anybody else. So that opinion, I think that opinion is going to come out 
the latter part of this week, early next week. We should get that opinion. This is a separate case. This is the January 6th grand jury. And remember, I know this is complicated. There is another case at the Supreme Court challenging a provision, not from President Trump, but it is one of the charges President Trump is facing, and that is the certifying of the election and interfering with an act of Congress, where Judge Katsas in the D.C. Circuit said the law, as interpreted by the majority, was too broad and violated First Amendment freedoms. That case was granted review by the Supreme Court, and it's up as well. So I want to take your questions on this. Do you believe a president's immunity should end the day uh, they leave office? I mean, that is what the, the uh, Court of Appeals held. I think the most dangerous line in that opinion is that at 12.01, when they're out of office, the immunity goes. And they didn't discover between official acts and unofficial acts. We want your calls on that. one 800 A Thank you to our ACLJ champions who make that monthly automatic contribution. If you want to do so, go to aclj.org and become a champion today. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. Secure, we are taking your phone calls to 1-800-684-3110. If you thought the case involving the 14th Amendment Section 3 could get complicated, you would come down to presidential immunity. And how about this? Post-presidential immunity, which is what we're looking at at uh, what is at the Supreme Court now. So you've got uh, the filing by uh, President Trump and their team. That then uh, has now been scheduled to the reply. The response uh, has been requested by the Chief Justice a week uh, from today on February 20th. And uh, again, in between now and then, uh, that that's stayed, so nothing's going to, to change 
on that immunity case, it's not going to move, it's not going to move forward. Effectively, you got to stay pending the next disposition. But very of the court. narrow, very but short. I don't think Jackson. Maybe he will take all the way to next week. But the, what the order says is the response to the application. It now has a number twenty three a seven forty five a meaning application requested by the chief justice due February twentieth, twenty twenty four by four p.m. That will be Andy the government's response. That's right. The government will now have, based on what the Chief Justice has decided, till February 2024 to respond to what has been termed an application for a stay of the D.C. Circuit's mandate, which was the order to Judge Chutkin to do what we tell you to do, but they stayed it, pending the filing of a petition uh, for writ of certiorari. But you know what they're going to come back and say. They're going to come back and say, hey, the D.C. Circuit got it right. That's what they're going to say. Well, I don't know. I think it's a case that's what, of... No, that's what Jack Smith's going to say. Jack, oh, of course, Jack Smith is going to say that I was right in the D.C. Circuit and I should prevail in the Supreme Court if you take the case on the merits. But, of course, what the president is saying is that the, unless you take it, the president would face a threat of indictment by an opposing party after changing administrations. I'm reading from the brief. Here's the contra, the contra argument. Here's what some lawyers, appellate lawyers are saying, and this is where it gets a little confusing, but I think people need to understand. It's... Some lawyers are saying the case should go to trial. The facts should should be put forward as to what he actually is accused of doing, what acts he took. There will be a trial. There will be an adjudication of guilt or innocence. Then it would go to the Court of Appeals to determine whether the immunity question should have been addressed with official acts or not, and then to the Supreme Court. The problem is the taint that puts on the candidate running for office. Well, but, yes. And also the timing of this could get very difficult. The timing of it. And if you got to look at the U.S. Attorney's Manual, and there's a memo that was put out in 2008 by the Justice Department called Election Year Sensitivities. And it's from the Attorney General. And it says you got to be careful, Justice Department, that you don't do political prosecutions or, sorry, criminal prosecutions for the purpose of affecting any election election or for the purpose of giving an advantage or disadvantage to any candidate or political party. If you look at the U.S. Attorney Manual, that specifies it not within 90 days of an election. So, that, okay, so the election is November 5th. So you'd go back October 5th. Then you'd go back to August 5th. Then you go back to September 5th. If the trial did not start until July, which is now they're saying the earliest it could because March is off, it would go all of July and all of August. Boy, you are right up to that, right up to it. What do you think happened? What do you think Judge Shutkin does? I think Judge Shutkin does not try this case. I, I don't either. I they, don't, unless it's unless it's all dismissed, unless they deny. Because here's what they could do. I mean, I, we're kind of talking out loud, Jordan. They could turn this application for, for a stay into a certiorari petition. petition. Correct. Meaning they could say, you don't have to file a certiorari petition. We're going to look at the application for a stay, which lays out the legal issues, and and that's your search right petition, and then grant or deny it very quickly. So I mean, it could uh, again. This can move very fast. Yeah, I don't see it moving very slow because the justices know people are voting. Um, I think President Trump, the ability to campaign, would be impacted by this. As mm-hmm. we were just talking about by Andy, and and then so, but people probably are not understanding these this idea, so they could file. For a stay, and they could t- turn the stay into a certiorari grant, a certiorari grant that would necessarily mean that they could uh, make an opinion with or without an oral argument. Correct. Would, they, would they, they order more briefing? They would. They, would, they, would, would, they may order a, an additional round of merits briefing. But not necessarily. But I think they would, and I think... Now, 
there's another thing that can happen here, and I think it's 50-50. They could just deny review. And if they deny review... It goes right back to Judge Chutkin. She sets it up for a trial calendar. And President Trump is being tried. I think then he's tried. Criminal. Then I think he would be tried before the election. If yeah, it was, he if would. It was in the next week or two. Although Judge Chutkin has been very, very sensitive to this political process that is ongoing yes, collateral was, to her but criminal but case. We're talking out loud here, but if it was February, if she t- they turn it down yeah. next week, Supreme Court says, I'm not going to hear it. It returns to her. It does return to her. Okay, so she says, I'm not going to do it in March, but why can't I do it in May or June? No, she could. There's no doubt about it. I just don't think that she would do that. I think she would if there's if it's without if it's outside the 90 days. I don't think it could go past the start of a June 1st start. Could be. Could I be. think that's yeah. uh, we're we're talking out loud here because we are really in uncharted very much so. uncharted territory. And then the question is, I want to hear from our our audience on this. How does that impact how you would vote if there was a conviction? If you're for Donald Trump, but there was actually a conviction, does it change anything? Does it because the polls say it does? Yeah. There's a six to seven percent change. I'm not sure that's real. One eight hundred six eight four thirty one ten is our number. That's eight hundred six eight four three one one zero. We've got some of we're having a little call screener problem here. Are these calls live now, Will? Because ours are not showing anything. We have one call ready to go. Okay. Uh, no, I don't. I don't see it either. All right. Hey, Lynn. Welcome to Seculo. You're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Uh, if it were up to me to uh, be a juror and make a decision on that, I would have to say that President Trump was still setting president in office on January 6th because the incoming president had not yet taken his oath right. of office nor signed in as president uh, in seat as chief. Because if there were a state emergency, President Trump during that period would still. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. No, you. I mean, technically, look, there was no question that when the president made the statements he made and took the actions he took, Andy, he was the president of the United States. Absolutely. The question is, and there's not been an adjudication of this, is were those official acts? And I would say elections go to the core of official acts in the sense of faithfully executing the laws, which is a mandate from the Constitution to the chief executive president of the United I, States. I think that's exactly right. The president was doing what a president can do and seeing that the laws be faithfully executed as he saw that uh, being done and as he saw fit. But there was no adju- there's been no adjudication of that so far. No one has determined that these are official. Well, I mean, the, the D.C. Circuit basically said they weren't uh, and the immunity didn't apply. But the D.C. Circuit said the immunity stopped applying, if at all, on December 20th at 12.01, on January 20th, 12, 12.01. That the is wrong, and that would have been a question I would have put as one of the questions presented, but they didn't, and they've got their reason for doing it, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think where it gets complicated by the U.S. Supreme Court is trying to define what is and what is not an official, like we talked about. What is an official act? It's not just about the timing of when you were in office. Uh, sure, most of those acts would likely qualify as official, but you still are a human being if you did something that was criminal outside of the official access president. Um, what happens then? And then you're going to have to have the Supreme Court you know, defining official versus unofficial. Now you're talking about the peripheral official. I mean, That is exactly the kind of case the Supreme Court doesn't want to have to do, that kind of balancing test. They, they, they want to stay out of that. But, you know, because of these prosecutions, it keeps landing at their doorstep on this immunity question. They don't love it, let me tell you. And and I think, ultimately, American voters have got to have an answer, which is, could they be voting for someone that could be convicted of serious enough crimes that they could win the election, potentially, which would be tougher to win, but, uh, but be behind bars? 
Well, this is the, the I mean, because if you're convicted, you can technically be sentenced to jail. Now, here's the thing. Under the procedure that's been outlined so far, remember, they're just asking for a stay and they want to go back to the D.C. Court of Appeals right. for en banc review. That means all of the, I think it's 11 sitting justices. I don't, whether they get in or not, we'll see. Why then, did that happen? What, what, was, what was the jump here? Was that Jack Smith? No, it was the, was well, the Jack Smith did it the first time. Jack yeah. Smith said, hey, go right to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, nope, let it go through the regular process. It was expedited at the, Ninth Cir- at the uh, D.C. Circuit. But the D.C. Circuit, in this opinion, came out and said, you you've got if you we're going to send it back to the district court. So you, you if you want to file a, a petition for en banc review, good luck. But it's going to trial, which was not the way. Or if you go to the Supreme Court, we'll stay everything until the Supreme Court disposes of it. The Supreme Court could grant review. They could say, hey, no, wait a minute. It should go back now to the if they want to do en banc review, let them go to the whole court. I know this is complicated. I'm trying to break it There's down. Ways. But if you're the president, the goal is don't go to trial before the election, politically, right? Yeah, politically, uh, again, because the conviction uh, likelihood in a D.C. jury is so high of, of now criminal acts. These are not, uh, again, this is this is not civil courts, but the criminal acts. And then you get the whole idea of, you know, what happens. Uh, again, yep. it limits your ability on the campaign trail. It kind of dogs you on the campaign trail. So you would likely want to go as far back as you can in restarting uh, this case. And maybe that first step is then going back to the... The uh, court of appeal, uh, the full en banc right. panel of the court of appeals, and then back to a trial court to retry it once again. That that's the real issue here. So I want to say a huge thank you, as Jordan did, to our ACLJ champions. We're taking on the most vital fights uh, of our nation for our nation at the U.S. Supreme Court. Now you got the immunity case. We've got a pro-life case going up there. So and it's not only your right to vote; it's First Amendment rights. The Biden administration was caught working with social media giants. To suppress your First Amendment free speech rights, we just filed a brief in the Supreme Court on that on behalf of uh, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA and others. But we can only continue this fight uh, in these critical battles because of your support. Become an ACLJ champion. That means you're donating monthly to the ACLJ in any amount. Go to aclj.org forward slash champions. That's aclj.org forward slash champions. Become a champion for life, liberty, and freedom. After nearly 50 years, Roe versus Wade, the tragic ruling that manufactured a so-called right to abortion has been overturned by the United States Supreme Court. This is the moment the ACLJ has been fighting for. It's the biggest victory we've achieved in our three decade long fight against the soulless abortion industry. And believe me, abortionists like Planned Parenthood are devastated. This victory would not have been possible without the steadfast prayer and support of ACLJ members like you. On behalf of the entire ACLJ, I thank you for standing with us against the abortion industry and helping us save defenseless babies. I thank you for making this victory possible. And I ask you for your continued prayer and support as we continue to battle against barbaric new abortion laws across our nation. The challenges facing Americans are substantial. At a time when our values, our freedoms, and our constitutional rights are under attack, it's more important than ever to stand with the American Center for Law and Justice. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. And we have an exceptional track record of success. But here's the bottom line. We could not do our work without your support. We remain committed to protecting your religious and constitutional freedoms. 
That remains our top priority, especially now during these challenging times. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. I knew uh, we would get calls on this because I I think, again, we kind of flushed out leading up to the 14th Amendment case because of the case in Colorado, our involvement there representing the Colorado. That decision could come out as early as the end of this week or early early next week. Yeah, I mean, so so look for that uh, because, again, that's very important also to uh, the election process and the nominating process uh, leading up to uh, Super Tuesday. But this case uh, is one where, uh, again, the impact of it on the election cycle and the voters' psyche could be extremely important, which is whether or not uh, President Trump will face these criminal charges, uh, this time in Washington, D.C., federal charges, and whether what kind of immunity the president has, when does it end, will the Supreme Court take it? It is now on appeal uh, to the Supreme Court. Uh, there's a reply time next Tuesday for uh, Jack Smith. You think he could reply even quicker? Uh, and then we'll see then how this kind of folds out and moves forward. Does it move forward quickly? What, there, do you, uh, what impact do you think this has if, he's, well, if there's this is a conviction? What I, want to go, I want to go to, to Roy in Florida on, on line uh, three uh, because we asked that question, which is like, if you knew that the trial had started and it will end before uh, the president, like the next president takes the oath of office, would you vote for a president who could potentially uh, violate enough criminal laws uh, like it or not, agree with it or not, think this is a witch hunt or not, which many of us do, uh, that uh, that they would be behind bars. Uh, and th- how would that impact your vote? What happens if they do get through the primary? Now they're in the general election behind bars. Ray from Florida, I want to ask uh, your opinion on that, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, hey, man, this is Roy, and uh, love you guys. Love Jay and you, bro. You guys do such a great show. I'm actually a fellow musician, so... I like that side of Jay as well. He probably knows a couple friends that I know, Mark Townsend and John Schlitt. You probably know those guys. I do know them. They're playing our band. Very good guys. What can we help you with? What's your What's your comment? Yeah. So the a couple. I have a comment and a question. The comment is: I I was listening to Joe Rogan recently, who you know he left California, came to Texas, and you basically have this guy saying that even if Trump goes to jail people are still going to vote for him. I mean, Joe almost sounds like he's going to vote for him himself. But then you look at people like Michael Rappaport, who's a famous actor. He's a flaming liberal who is way left. And he's like, dude, I'm sorry. Trump is on the table. We got to get our stuff together. So my question mm. is, what would it, what would it look like Jay or um, yeah, what would it look like if he was convicted and people still voted for Trump. What does that look it's, like? Be unprecedented be? in U.S. history. This has never but Trump is kind of an unprecedented U.S. history president. Look, he, even if convicted, there's no guarantee that they would sentence him to jail because you have all kinds of Secret Service issues. He'd have appeal rights, right. and he should be out bond pending appeal. Um, with the government, as Andy said, the government's got to be—they've got to stay away from an election interference claim by their litigation. That's right. They may never select the timing of a criminal charge for purposes of affecting any election or for the purpose of giving an advantage or disadvantage to any candidate or political party. And that's been interpreted as not no 
criminal actions within 90 days of a election. Right. But Jordan, it becomes a political question. It does become a, obviously a political question. All of these do. I mean, the 14th Amendment issue, the immunity issue, uh, you're facing criminal charges. What's the penalty for those criminal charges and the crimes? Um, again, it's it's tough to predict uh, the voter mindset. Not so much people who have already made up their mind about who they're going to vote for, but certainly it's that key demographic group that you've got to swing in these very close states uh, to win the election. It doesn't make it any easier for you uh, to do that if you're facing uh, a barrage of criminal charges. I think the idea of the deep state coming after Donald Trump did help Donald Trump. When they raided Mar-a-Lago, his poll started. That was really the, the second coming of Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, his numbers started just going through the roof. But the reality now of these trials becoming real, real criminal charges, and I I think that's where we've got to figure out this immunity issue, that we have got to get an answer on that before many moderate voters or even kind of independent voters that lead right feel comfortable giving their vote away to someone who they feel like might be an ineffective president or Or someone who would have to even, yeah, withdraw. So, you know, Cece, we, we were going to get into another issue, but we're obviously we're, we're sticking on this. But if you look at the immunity issue and you look at the ballot access issue coming out of Colorado, we are in unprecedented times in a presidential election. We've never seen anything like this. Yeah. And and this immunity, um, you know, issue is very interesting because what the court below basically said is the immunity doesn't stay with you. It doesn't travel with right. you. And you've probably discussed this earlier, but it, it's the fact that is just shocking to me. Of course, a president's immunity for official acts he did while he was in office is going to travel with him. It should. Even once he's out of office, you have to have that protection. You and know, it's so interesting, I, though. They did not. I would have led with that. And my question, for, that would have been my first question presented. They didn't do that here. They went right to absolute immunity, which may be a strategy of trying to eliminate the case altogether, where I would have said, hey, do it in a two-step and delay the time. But Right. And I think like the court acknowledged in the 14th Amendment case that, you know, hey, if we let one state decide this, it's chaos. I think it's the same kind of deliberation here is that if you don't if you don't let that immunity travel with the president, that's going to be chaos. And we've said it before. Obama actions that he took. People can come after him criminally. Actions that Biden has taken once he's out of office, people can come out after him criminally. That is going to be chaotic. Second, you want to, do we have time for another call? Yeah, let's take another call. We're going to take your calls at 800-684-3110. If you're watching, a ton of you are on social media. Share it with your friends. More people involved in the conversation. Yeah, let's go to Todd in Georgia on line one. Hey, Todd. Hi, Todd. Hey, yes. Uh, will the Supreme Court consider the D.C. Um, appeals court their prejudicial statement declaring Trump guilty of insurrection? I, I mean, how's he supposed to get a fair trial? I think the Supreme Court's going to do everything it can, and in, in the first of all, in the 14th Amendment case, to never utter the word insurrection in their opinion, because there are legal ways that they don't have to do that. If, in fact, he was never charged with insurrection, by the way, and Jack Smith's case, that's the subject of this immunity case, the president was not charged with insurrection. So, the court should not get into the insurrection issue. I expect a decision in the uh, 14th Amendment at ballot access case to be unanimous or close to it. Don't be shocked if it's written by somebody like Justice Kagan or Justice Jackson, and it's 9-0 on the issue of officer, which is the issue we led with. Now, the Trump's lawyers 
pulled back on that some at the argument and even in their briefing. But I, I think that's the court's going to look for an exit ramp on that one. Yeah, I'm even thinking, and I thought the other night, it may be a per curiam opinion. Could be. In other words, no justice signs that they all agree to it, and it just comes out through the court, per curiam, with no justice's name on it. Could, Could happen. Could happen. Yeah. Let me, I think ultimately here, this goes to comfort of voters. I'm not talking about people who are kind of made up their mind. Uh, you, you always vote Republican or you always vote Democrat. It's in general election voters. Uh, does this scare them away? I mean, kind of like where Joe Biden last week with all the news about his, you know, his inability uh, to know what was going on. Yeah. Does that scare? I mean, you've got these two candidates with both very different issues surrounding but them, serious issues. but both kind of off putting to voters who are like, yep. is my vote going to count? Is this person actually even going to be president? All right. Support the work of the ACLJ at ACLJ.org. Contribute monthly. Become an ACLJ champion. You keep us in all these fights. Become a champion for life, liberty, and freedom at aclj.org forward slash champions. Now, there are a lot of you holding. Stay on the line. We're going to get to more calls when we come back in the second half hour of this broadcast. If you're watching on our social media, share it with your friends. Very important that you do that. We're going to be back with more in just a moment. But again, support the work of the ACLJ at aclj.org forward slash champions. For decades now, the ACLJ has been on the front lines, protecting your freedoms, defending your rights in courts, in Congress, and in the public arena. The American Center for Law and Justice is on your side. If you're already a member, thank you. And if you're not, well, this is the perfect time to stand with us at aclj.org, where you can learn more about our life-changing work. Become a member today. aclj.org. 